like to direct your attention here while you're standing. Thank you for standing so long. Some of you are probably thinking, man, these, this church don't even need pews. But they sure are comfortable when you get to sit down. 1 Timothy chapter number 1 is where we want to go. Now, I have preached, I have preached this before, and I cannot escape. This is for somebody here today. Actually, it's probably more than just one person, but I could not, I could not escape this from God. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and let us begin reading in verse number 12. The Apostle Paul writing here to Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, his son in the gospel. Starting in verse number 12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. That means he hurt other people. He brought injury. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Amazing passage of scripture. And I want to preach to us for a few moments about patterns of mercy. Patterns of mercy. I know we praise the Lord a lot here this morning, but why don't we put our Bibles down and let's join together and let's pray that God would have his way in the remainder of this service. Would you pray with us? Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Want to give you all the praise and all the glory. We want to become so absolutely locked into the will of God in these final remaining moments in this age, in this hour, in this dispensation. We ask you to touch every life, every heart. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, this congregation is the perfect size 
for this building. If we would have put, if we would have made it any bigger, it might have been a little bit foreboding. But it just, it just looks good. It just, it just looks good, and it feels so good. In Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul is in rare form here in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. He is looking back in divine retrospection. You know, it's one thing to look over the pages of your life and see failure and regret. And all of us have that. All of us have those moments of weakness where we have regrettable moments of tear-stained pages. Just make sure you don't let the devil do that to you. It's one thing for you to do that. It's another thing to let the devil do that to you. But the Apostle Paul is in a spiritual posture and in a spiritual place where he is able to look over the pages of his life and not feel a shred of condemnation. That's a big deal. And to those of you that are suffering from guilt and condemnation and regret, this message is for you. The Apostle Paul is addressing his son in the gospel. Timothy, of course, came from a blended family. He is not by any stretch the personification of religious perfection. He came from a mixed household. His mother was... Jewish and his father was a Gentile that wouldn't make people blush people wouldn't even raise an eyebrow in the 21st century but in biblical times that was an unapproved probably discouraged union so Timothy was not as I've already mentioned he was not the sum total of Pentecostal perfection in fact the Apostle Paul ministers to him, his son in the gospel, in some of the pastoral epistles found here in First and Second Timothy, most notably in Second Timothy chapter number one, where he is telling, this man's already a pastor. He's a pastor at the thunderous church at Ephesus. And the apostle Paul, his father in the gospel, is writing him to remind him that we have not received from God a spirit of fear, of intimidation, of timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. So even if you're in the ministry, you still have struggles. Somebody help me out. You don't graduate from those types of things. But in chapter number one, we find a particular passage of Scripture that is very rare to 
the Pauline writings, where he is actually making reference to his life before he was saved. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before, somebody said before. Now your before might be yesterday. Your before might be last week. Your before might be last month. But the Apostle Paul is describing what he was and what he is now. Who was before a blasphemer. That means to evilly speak. To speak evil. That's what a blasphemer is. A persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I have looked at this particular passage of scripture um, much. Not only because it is a rare occasion in which the Apostle Paul is using a certain amount of retrospection and introspection, but rather it's because he doesn't talk about his past all that much. I think he was embarrassed. I think he was ashamed. I think that he probably, even though he was a, a spiritual leader, even though he was the greatest of all the apostles, a man that was given revelation far beyond his peers. But I don't believe that the apostle Paul talked about his past all that much because he didn't want to think about it all that much. But standing between his present and his past is the fact that Jesus put him into the ministry. He continues, he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I'm going to tell you why that is critical. Almost like a fulcrum in this particular passage, this theological thought that is being relayed here. Because I don't believe that not just the Apostle Paul, but any one of us or any human being, can become powerfully used of God until we are humbled by the totality of where we were in the past and where we are today. Where we are in the past should be enough like a lead weight to sink us to the bottom. And if we are not careful, 
through the call of God or the positioning of God or my response to all of the above, we can become lifted up because of present circumstances. But the Apostle Paul was so firmly rooted in his past and the grace of God that was applied to him because of his past that he said, I ain't looking at anybody else. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. Let's lift our hands and give God praise right now. I'm not here to look down my long nose at anybody. I'm not here to criticize the choir. I didn't come to look for mistakes. I didn't come to look for flaws. I've got enough flaws and enough mistakes that I'm juxtaposing that where I was and where God put me that it should keep me eternally humbly. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands. Clap your hands. Respond to the Holy Ghost right now. All of us have a past that although it's under the blood, it's okay for me to look under the blood, but it's not okay for you to look under the blood. Once the blood has been applied to an individual's life, it ain't none of your business where they were, who they did it with, where they were in life. You get your face out of the mud and get it on the carpet where it belongs. I'm preaching already. All of us have enough stuff in our own lives that we should say, God, thank you for letting me be here. I came to magnify. I came to glorify. I came to edify. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Don't make God remind you the pit in which you were dug. And now you got clean clothes and a nice car and a good income. Let us remember, it is God that brought me out. It's God that picked me up. It's God that blessed me. It's God that set me on a rock. Pentecostal circles, we need to be careful. I'm introducing myself to this audience today as the chiefest of all sinners. That is the perfect balance for godly humility. And when you reach this place, you're in the perfect posture of understanding who you are and where you are because of the mercy and the grace of God, but remembering where you came from and you didn't deserve anything but a devil's hell and you didn't deserve anything but a bar stool and you didn't deserve anything but... A... Come on, you people that have arrived. Let's give God the praise. I want to constantly remember that I need the blood and I need the mercy and I need the grace and I need the glory and I need God's power. It's like looking at this building. Those of you that are visiting or those of you that are, maybe you're even here, a member of Cornerstone, you say, you know, if we're not careful, this building will lift us up with pride. I can understand why you'd think that. But when you remember 
that we started out in a 700-square-foot office suite. When you remember that I didn't have enough money to buy gas when I got here. When you remember, oh, come on, somebody. When you remember that we, that God blessed us when we had nothing. And God blessed us when we were in a storefront. And God blessed us when we were on Broadway. I can keep it all in perspective. I can remember when I had nothing and I realized the grace and the mercy of God that made us something. Somebody shout. Somebody lift your voice. If you get it all messed up, that's when you're in danger. You don't get exalted to being in the ministry until you remember that it was God that put you there. It's not a degree that makes you qualified for the ministry. It's not who your family is that makes you qualified in the ministry. It's when you have a recognition that I wouldn't be here if it not wasn't for God. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God. This is a perfect time to praise him. But God, I'm sitting on this pew today. But God, I'm sitting here with the Holy Ghost. But God, I'm on my way to heaven. But God, I'm going to go in the rapture. But God. Let's let these rafters roar. Lift your voice and give him great and glorious praise. But God. And so this particular passage for me is critical in the comprehension of understanding who Paul really was. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll gloss over the rough spots in the Word of God and we'll champion the high points and ignore the bad points. God doesn't do that. God doesn't use any veneer. God doesn't gloss over it. God doesn't try to hide it. God says, here it is, here it is, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. My grace is sufficient. My mercy is everlasting. It's all, come on, somebody! But he could look at the past and not be condemned, being reminded, if you're humble, being reminded is not the same thing as experiencing shame, because you have a revelation of the blood. Let's lift our hands right now, and I'm pleading the blood over this congregation. I'm praying for some people to... It, months and years of dragging a ball and chain because you cannot escape your regrets. But I'm telling you that God says that may have been where you came from, but I'm far from done. I ain't over. Grace ain't done. Mercy's not through. You're going to believe the lies or you're going to trust the book. <laughs> It's easy to feel stupid. Pastor, how would you know? Because sometimes I just try to keep from looking stupid. It's a very human tendency. It's easy to feel condemned. It's part of your fallen nature. 
But when you become humble, you recognize, although that was my beginning, that ain't my ending. Come on, God resists the proud. You might as well just go ahead and get there. You might as well just dive bomb into this altar today and say, God, whatever I got to do, I got to get to that place where I recognize that it's not me, it was never me, it was me that made the mistakes, but it's you that got me here today. It's you that's going to take me there. It's you that, come on, somebody. Pastor, you're really hammering that point. I am. Because this is what made, in my opinion, the Apostle Paul the man that he was. It wasn't the revelations. Those were fantastic. It wasn't his wisdom and understanding. According to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, that was amazing. It wasn't his incredible grasp of the panoramic view of the revelation of the church being the great mystery. And that's equally amazing. But it was the fact that the Apostle Paul is a lot like you and I. And he got the revelation that I got no business being here. I'm the worst dude in here. starts when we think we're somebody. I remember this guy, Dr. Robert Schuler, that wrote the famous book, Be Happy Attitude. It was a kind of a cultural sensation. He was the pastor of the Crystal Cathedral in Southern California for many years. He was a non-denominational positive thinking kind of a preacher and I remember that he was on an airplane flight somewhere and the stewardess asked him to do something that wasn't adjust his mask because they didn't they weren't wearing masks back then but it was straightening him out about something and he looked at the stewardess and said don't you know who I am you might be able to use that on somebody else but you can't use that on God God already knows who you are God knows what you were thinking last night, two nights ago, three nights ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Why don't we just say, oh, thank God for the blood. Oh, thank, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and praise him. Every single day his mercies are new. Every single day his grace is real. I'm going to go ahead and magnify. I'm going to glorify. Is that Sister Joy back there? I don't have my glasses. Sister Joy, welcome home. Don't try to tell me it's not you. I see you. Hallelujah. This church is still small enough that I can do that. I can call people out and say hi. And although this scripture for me is revelatory about the content of this man's spiritual character, It's only the tip of the iceberg of the revelation to come. If you look in the book of Galatians, chapter number one, 
we're going to get a little bit more complete of a picture of how staggering his remarks really were. Galatians chapter number 1 and verse number 13. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Now look at verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Everybody said praise the Lord. Somebody's thinking, man, I sure hope this pastor knows where he's going with all this. Yes, I do. Fasten your seatbelts. What he is saying in Galatians chapter number one is that God separated him from his mother's womb by the grace of God. But in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1, you know the story how that Saul was on his way to Damascus, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, and he got completely knocked off his horse. He was 30 years of age. So let me get this straight. God called him from his mother's womb, but yet didn't knock him off of his horse until he was 30 years old. God let him be injurious, probably even kill some people, separated families, a blasphemer, brought harm against the church. But yet God called him from his mother's womb. What are you trying to say? I'm saying that God lets you live some life. And then he calls you out. Oh, somebody help me. We're going to go for a ride here today. Pastor, why am I going through what I'm going through? God is letting you get some experience in your life so that when he brings you on board, you can say it wasn't me, it wasn't an education, it wasn't who I knew, it wasn't where I've been, it was the grace and the mercy of God. The Apostle Paul had the revelation that I was originally called from my mother's womb. But I went through all this hell and I put innocent people through hell. And he fully explains this revelation in our text. In 1 Timothy chapter number 1, he said, because that in me first is a pattern. It is a pattern. I am a prototype. I am an imitation. I am a representation. 
when you get a pattern, some of our dear sisters here that are quite good at being a seamstress, and you take that pattern and you lay it out over fabric and you get those big old scissors and you begin to cut around that pattern because you already know exactly that it's supposed to fit. It has to absolutely be contoured here and have a shape here and it's got to have this here and it's got to be here and your life, it's got to be mercy here and here and forgiveness here and an altar call here and revival here and to get you to the place of realizing it ain't my life anyway. This is all God. God was there in the beginning. He let me live. I should have been killed by a drunk driver. I should have OD'd in Los Angeles. I should have been knifed in San Francisco, but he let me live. Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory. I'm looking at patterns of mercy that God is allowing you to live life so that you'll have a testimony. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. That it's a revelation of the scriptures to Rick Mayo. Because I was raised in a dysfunctional home where there was all kinds of, well, I got to be careful, all kinds of things that produce psychological things Later in life, because I've had to struggle with some things. I've had to deal with my devils. I've had to deal with certain things. I've had to deal with, with being on drugs by the age of 15. I've had to deal with being an alcoholic by the time I was 20. I've had to deal with doing this and doing that and doing this. But I've got the revelation that God said, I got a string on him. Hell cannot have him. The devil cannot have him. And when he's 30 years of age, I'm going to call him out of darkness into this marvelous light. And he'll be able to preach to other people. You might be on drugs, but God ain't done. You might be an alcoholic, but God ain't done. You might be addicted to God knows what, but God's not done. Somebody shout and give God the praise. God is not done cutting out your pattern. No, somebody praise him right now. God's not done cutting out your, your pattern. God's You know how we feel? I'll tell you how we feel. You make a stupid mistake as a kid, make some dumb decisions, and if you don't get it under the blood immediately, the devil gets in between you and the promises of God, and now for the rest of your life, you're listening to a lie. God knew about that. God already saw that in your heart. God knew that was going to happen, but what would happen if we said, save me? I'm the chiefest of all sinners. God gives the mercy, and God gives the grace, and now you're a tailor-made devil chaser, and now you're reaching out to everybody that made stupid, immature, casual, careless mistakes. Somebody go ahead and shout. Come on. Come on, Cornerstone. I'm waiting for this to feel like home again. 
Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. We think in our vain religious thinking that if I mess up, the devil's got the ball and I'm out of the game. Says who? Says your fallen nature that's given to condemnation, given to shame. Just check the book of Genesis chapter number three. It was the first human response to failure with shame and condemnation and fear. And now we don't even try. We don't even feel like praying. We don't even feel like living for God anymore. I'm here to tell you that God sees all that. God knew all that. And when God finally pulls you out and you finally understand that the grace is on my side and the mercy is on my side and the spirit is on my side and the promises are on my preaching hard. I'm trying to break the Paul that's trying to get on this congregation by moving 50 yards. I'm trying to shatter this thing. I'm trying to shatter it good and proper. That's why I'm glad Summit's coming. You ain't going to be able to stop running the aisles. You ain't going to be able to stop people dancing in the spirit. You ain't going to be able to stop it. It's going to happen all over this building from the minute they get in this The power of God. Somebody shout like you're home. Somebody shout. You know what I'm looking at today? I'm looking at a huge building full of patterns. The worst thing that you can do is say, this is my pattern? I don't want that. I want to be like somebody else. When you get saved, you understand the uniqueness of being you. Of course, that's what the devil does not want you to ever get a hold of is the power of being you. Nobody is just like you. God doesn't want you to be like the pastor. God doesn't want you to be like the song leader. God doesn't want you to be like somebody else in the church. God wants to use your life. There's people that have lived just like you. There are a million Rick Mayos in this world. There are a million just like you in this world. Somebody help me preach right now. And you are the one. You are the pattern. You are the model. You are the representation of what God could do with all those like you there's people under the sound of my voice do not even know what it feels like to feel mercy and liberation God sent me to this house to preach this message for you. Well, I'm a little older now. God's watched you every day of your life. 
And God said, I'm going to lead you to a place where they're going to talk about some things that are going to go beyond a failed marriage and go beyond messing up and go beyond a building that went belly up and go beyond being a liar and a thief and go beyond being a fornicator. God said, I see all that, but I still want you. I'm not going to give up till I have you. I'm not going to let go till I get you. I'm not going to quit till you're mine. I'm not going to quit till you're in the palm of my very hand. Somebody shout with a voice. Patterns of mercy. I need a break. Pastor, don't do that. We're on live stream. I, th- I want to tell this congregation, if I think for one second that those cameras are keeping us from having church, we'll tear the very cords out of the wall. There is nothing that is more valuable than the power and the unction of the Almighty God. There is nothing more glorious than God moving across the congregation. Somebody run with him. Somebody shout with him. Somebody praise with him. You go, Kenneth. I can't believe Elder Sergeant almost made it around a complete lap. Man, you're awesome. You want to know why? He's probably looking over the pages of his life saying it was God that did that. It was God that did this. It was God that did that. It was God. Somebody. He is a pattern of mercy. Those of you that think I'm so You were robbing all the other super bad, super horrible people out there in our world of a ray of hope, of becoming a pattern of mercy that only they could relate to and they could understand. I can't backslide. I not only owe God, there's millions of human beings. There's thousands of human beings. There's human beings that are lost, listening to the devil and watching the news every day, feeling hopeless. I want to tell you, there is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God. Come on, somebody. need another break. Now, Pastor, why didn't you have them pray or worship God while you did that? Because I want to pray too. I don't want to miss nothing. I don't want to miss that drug addict on the back row that says nobody even knows about it. I got it. 
some of that legal stuff hidden. My wife don't know about it. The boss don't know about it. Nobody knows about it. I'm going to tell you, God knows about it. And when God finally brings you under the banner of grace, you're going to get up and say, you know what, that dope smoking, it ain't anything. It's nothing that the devil's got it cracked up to be. Hit the prayer room. Hit the altar. Get full of the Holy Ghost. You're now a pattern of mercy. show you how this religious pride stuff worked. The apostle to Peter the disciple, Simon Peter, who do men say that I am? Peter's faster than the 21st century Bible quizzer. Thou art the Christ, the son of the God. Jesus puts the church in a boat, knowing there's a storm coming, just as he who will get out of the boat. One guy gets out of the boat. He's got a revelation of the supernatural. He's the only human being outside of Jesus Christ that ever walked on water. If you'll get out of the familiar during your storm, you'll get the greatest revelation. No other disciple ever experienced that. So you got a revelation of who Jesus is. And he's walked on water. Look at him. Andrew. Oh, there's Andu the Magnificent. James, John. <laughs> Look at him. They're going to deny you, but not me. Because I got the keys. And I walked on water. really get to thinking we're something. Wow. Quiet. Simon Peter came. Lord, you don't have to worry. I'm ready to go with you even unto death. Jesus put up with all this stuff. And Jesus puts up with you and I. Oh, I love you, Lord. But in the bottom of your heart, you can't think to get out of here and watch a rerun from the Super Bowl. <laughs> Is that all right, Wallace? Wallace, read. 
Jesus, you see all these poor? They're all going to walk out on you. Not me. I got some keys. I got a revelation. <laughs> Glad John was there to hear that. Glad all those losers see me get out of that boat. Simon, come on over here. Yes, Lord. Before the rooster gets done, you're going to walk out on me, son. Not me. Man, I got keys. I got a revelation. I got... Jesus looked right through Peter in 3D and saw imperfect character. All the baggage of a poor upbringing. All of the human idiosyncrasies. And then he prophesied his failure. You know, Lord, I've been following you now for over three years, and I think you missed it on this one. You know the story. But I prayed for you, Peter, that you won't walk away from me. And you finally repent and get back into alignment. Strengthen thy brethren. I thought I was going to be a conference preacher. I thought I was going to walk on water before nations. And I thought I was going to get to preach general conference. And now he's telling me all I'm going to do is strengthen my brethren. Your ministry is in your failure. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands. God sent me to this audience today to preach to somebody. He's not done cutting your pattern. The people that will be helped, the people that will be strengthened, the young people that will be encouraged, the brethren that blew it but found that you can still preach at Pentecost, the brethren that are being torn about by a devil that's like a roaring lion but can find that humility and find that power and find that grace. Peter! Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Strengthen thy brethren! That even when you fail, God's still going to ask you to preach the greatest message of the New Testament. Patterns of mercy. Like I said, I love the Word of God that does not veneer and gloss and shine up. 
the ones that God chooses to use. David was a giant killer. David was an anointed man of God in every way. Greatest military strategist, anointed to be a psalmist and a worshiper, and a man after God's own heart. But in a moment of weakness, although David could bring down the Goliath in front of him, he failed to kill the giant that was inside of him. Let's lift our hands right here and just talk to Jesus. really believe in God, that God is going to resurrect people under the sign of what you have, you have absolutely given up any hope of ever becoming anything other than what you can make out of yourself. And God is saying, I already know everything. God's people went to battle. David stayed home. Got off his bed at night and went and flipped the computer on and fulfilled an Old Testament version of internet pornography. Pastor, you talk about pornography too much. Well, if we get some of you people delivered of it, I'd have to I wouldn't have to preach about it so much. God knows where you're at. It's why I saved this for last. God knows where you're at. You ain't hiding from nobody. Your mom and dad may not know. Your wife may not know. But you and God know. And the devil knows. And I've come here to bring a way out for you. And to bring an aspect of liberation for you. And to let you know that God knows. That wasn't bad enough to commit adultery with another man's wife. He had one of his mighty men ruthlessly, diabolically, deceitfully placed him in a placement of battle that violated military protocol. He did it on purpose. When Nathan the prophet finally arrived on the scene, almost a year later, David had played the hypocrite for a, for a whole year. And Nathan said, thou art the man. David said, I have sinned. God had to go looking for him because he wouldn't come to the altar on his own. And in David's famous prayer in Psalm 51, created me, <laughs> created me a clean heart, 
Renew within me a right spirit. And his final prayer request of David is sound in Isaiah in Psalm 51. Verse number 13. If you'll forgive me, God. Here's my ministry. Now, I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Patterns of mercy. Let's stand. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of us have already locked ourselves in the prison house, built by the debris of our own failures and our own self-judgment, and thrown the key away, only to have the King of kings and the Lord of lords greet you this morning and say, I'm ready to tear that prison house down. Let's lift our hands and let's just pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, there are many under the sound of my voice that you're just about to finish that pattern of mercy where you can see, see, if I did it for this one. God's not going to reveal all that. God's not going to tell everybody. But only you and God will know. Only you and God will know that I'm here. Never going to be a struggle with pride anymore. Never going to be a struggle with your bad attitude anymore. Never going to be a struggle with any of that anymore. Because you finally got the revelation that I'm a pattern. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's give God the praise. Lift your voice with me. Come on, let's thank him for his mercy. Come on, I can't hear you. Sinners can't hear you. People that need hope need to hear us. If you've got that revelation, lift your voice. If you've got that revelation that you know that God, God didn't call you out till you were an adult. He led you to live some life. Yes, you were experiencing things. Yes, you got involved in things that were damaging and hurtful. But God is the great physician and God is the wonderful counselor. And God is the healer and God is the way maker. And now you're a witness in a pattern of the mercy. with every head bowed and every eye closed. This message is for you. And as a qualified by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of God, pastor, This altar call is for you, wherever you are. God is here.
to completely destroy the hiding places. To say, I know you've messed up, but let me use your failure. This altar is open. Not to the wise, not to the intelligent, but to the patterns. Come on. God knew you were going to be here. God saw you. God knew you. God allowed you to be here today. Cornerstone, I'm asking you to come and find somebody to pray with. Your renewing is in this house. Your regeneration is in this house. Your future is in this house. Your empowerment is in this house. The glory of God is here. Come on, Cornerstone, help us. Find somebody to pray with. Come on, Pastor, can't do it all. There's patterns of mercy here today that are going to rise up through the power of God and be greatly used. Your family's going to come back together. Your mental state is going to come back together. Your sense of stealth is going to come back together. Your level of spirituality is going to come back. Your hunger for God is going to come back. 